Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Time now to take a look at some of the headlines from around our region. We've got quite a bit to talk about. Uh, obviously, in Malaysia, we asked the question if uh, former Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Raza could get a royal pardon. Plus, why did 1,700 residents of Chiang Mai province, that is, file a lawsuit at the administrative court against uh, Prime Minister Prayut Chanocha on Monday? Let's uh, get some analysis of these headlines and more. Uh, on the line with me, is Bridget Walsh, political analyst and honorary research associate, University of Nottingham, Malaysia. She is in Portugal right now. Dr. Welsh, as they say in Portugal, bom dia. Good morning. Bom dia. <laughs> okay, uh, let's uh, start off with uh, former Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Razak. What are the odds that he could get a royal pardon? I think in these matters, the odds are still quite good for Najib, uh, but the question is about timing. Usually in, in pardons, it's usually a number of years before a pardon is given because they have to have a review process, uh, uh, and also he has to serve certain types of parts of his statement, his sentence. Also, the other issue is that there is a sense that there is accepting responsibility. In terms of the particular dynamic that has evolved now, where the UMNO Supreme Council has made a petition to the king, mm. My expectations is that uh, this particular challenge, in particular request, will probably not be the right way to go about it. But, you know, the fact that um, he might get a pardon down the line, yes. In the short term, probably not. Right. I understand that the uh, the current Prime Minister, Anwar Ibrahim, will be part of a panel to decide Mr. Najib's fate. Uh, conflict of interest, would that be a right term to bring up here? Well, I... I think one has to recognize that prime ministers play a role in these issues mm. of pardons in almost all countries. Huh? So, uh, you know, I think there is definitely a, a situation where there, the administrative processes are, um, you know, uh, the way that they are. And we also have a situation where, um, uh, you know, there is very little separation. There is, you know, as, not as much separation between the judiciary and and the executive and the, and the, and the king as in, there might be in other countries. Huh? Uh, in the context of Malaysia. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of a conflict of interest, um, and I think there are qu- the issue is the interests. I think that the conflict for Anwar is not one in terms of making the pardon uh, mm-hmm. from the perspective of uh, being on the board. The conflict is, is that he has to accommodate his supporters in Pakistan Harapan, who, mm-hmm. who adamantly rejected Najib in 2018 and again in 2022, supporting the uh, keeping him in prison, as opposed to those who he's now allied with in government. And that's the conflict that is really at play, a conflict between the different actors that he's trying to appease. And I do think that uh, any pardon for Najib, of which Anwar plays a role in, will be in the short term very difficult for his supporters to accept. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing too. Uh, Dr. Welsh, uh, talking about conflict, there's another one worth uh, chatting about. So the Perikatan National Chairman Mahirin Yasin has criticized Mr. Anwar for being ready to negotiate with China. At the same time, Mr. Anwar has asked Mr. Mahidin to attend Parliament more often to try and understand the government's stance over the ongoing issue involving China. What exactly is happening here? I mean, questions arising on whether Mr. Anwar is making the smart political play when it comes to a relationship with China. They are the second largest economy in the world. 
So there are a number of things here. First of all, I think the, the opposition leaders, Muhyiddin Yassin, and of course, Hadi Awang, who's the POS leader, and Hamza, all of these individuals have just aren't attending parliament. And I think that Anwar used this as an opportunity to make a stab at, the fa- at, at these leaders, you know, who are basically failing in their responsibility as parliamentarians. Um, but in terms of the broader issues of China, you know, uh, China is Malaysia's largest investment partner and is large trading partner. Um, and I think that uh, it is the first country that Anwar has visited outside of ASEAN. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's already made a number of visits across. Um, he recognizes that the economy is the main driver uh, for uh, his own government success and also for the longer future of transforming Malaysia. Mm-hmm. And, and China, uh, you know, is playing a pivotal role uh, in directing that because it is the leading source of investment. Um, he managed to negotiate 17 different, 19 different uh, MOUs. Of course, you know these are promises not necessarily delivered, but uh, for an extensive amount of money of you know over 40 billion um, in, uh, promises. Um, my the projection is whether or not these will actually be delivered. But I do think what it shows is that that Anwar is very proactive on, on pushing on issues of the economy. It also shows that there is a recognition of, of China being the leading player in the region. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not gone to the U.S. or he's not going elsewhere, probably down the line. But in terms of the priorities, China is there. But there are some sticking points, and those sticking points, there are three. I mean, the first of which is where Muhyiddin Yassin is starting to raise concerns on the South China Sea. And, of course, uh, you know, this is something that I think will expose multiple governments because there's been multiple sets of negotiations uh, across the way. Uh, Second of all is that um, some of these negotiations and previous deals, both with the Najib government in particular, have basically have some questionable dimensions about them uh, in terms of debt uh, issues, in terms of the the deals and alleged corruption. And I think those questions, uh, you know, do come up. uh, And uh, and I think, uh, you know, there will obviously be more to be exposed in these areas um, down the line. And of course, you know, how this is one of the challenges about how China engages with elites in the region, Mm. because it also compromises themselves as well as the leaders down the line. And then the third thing is, is the substance of these deals, right? And so, you know, it's the, op- op- the obligation of the opposition to raise important questions, and I think uh, Muhyiddin Yassin is doing so, but from a perspective of looking at how these negotiations are taking place and asking them to be open. And, uh, but I think he's also using them at the same time. He is also raising this is from a nationalist lens and, and mm-hmm. kind of building into the ethnic tensions that exist within Malaysia society. Um, and I think this is, of course, uh, not, con- not constructive and also, I think, basically a uh, cheap play on trying to use every all the tools that it can uh, to try to, to gain ground politically because it still is very much election season in Malaysia. Yeah. yeah, it's a little bit more complex than simply improving the economy and more complex than a means to an end. Uh, and certainly a lot of people will continue to question that. Uh, Dr. Wesh, let's talk about uh, Thailand. Uh, interesting story here. About 1,700 residents of Chiang Mai province filed a lawsuit at the administrative court against Prime Minister Prayut Chanocha on Monday, April the 10th. Uh, can we talk a little bit about the basis for this lawsuit and the odds of residents actually winning such a lawsuit? 
Well, Thailand's courts are really very interesting on issues of the environment uh, because we, we've seen a very uneven um, situation. So sometimes the activists win and sometimes they don't, right, in this context. But this particular case involves pollution. It involves a situation where they're challenging the way the government is handling issues of the haze. And it is a kind of a different tactic or a similar tactic. There's also other cases of civil uh, court cases in the courts uh, on issues of the environment, but it is an extension of these particular different types of methods to challenge the government's policy. Um, and it is, uh, you know, I think there are there are different ways to understand this. I mean, from my perspective, uh, I, the case is already a win, even mm-hmm. if it doesn't win in the court, because it is an agenda setting, a raising, uh, and it also shows tremendous amount of cooperation among civil activists, you know, 1,700 of them, to come together yeah. to raise this particular position. Uh, an issue and draw attention to the questions of pollution, which in the northern part of Thailand are very, very serious. Um, and it's not just directed against uh, um, uh, the government, it's also against uh, the, some of the industrialists who are actually engaging in the pollution in that in Chiang Mai area. So I think, uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting to watch uh, because what we see is the emergence of different tools among civil society activists mm-hmm. to raise concerns about the questions of the environment. Mm. Um, and, and I think it's also going to lead to, I think, uh, greater attention and recognition that these issues, these transnational issues that cross borders, uh, uh, will be tested in the courts. And keep in mind that this is election time in yeah. Thailand, uh, that the elections are going to be held on the 14th of May. Um, we're already into election season. And I think this reflect this is also something that is putting pressure on the current government to try to, to come up with a better solution for some of these issues at the local areas. And it is uh, by far the government has not yet done enough to address the real serious issues affecting almost, as the suit said, two million people in that particular area. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Walsh, let's turn our attention to Indonesia, where a court there has overturned a lower court's controversial order to delay the 2024 presidential and general elections by two years. How will this ruling, and, and, and can we expect, first of all, the order to be overturned, but how will this ruling affect the current political uncertainty in the country? What kind of fallout are we expecting here? So the big underlying issue here is whether or not the 2024 elections are going to be extended. And, and with that, the Jokowi's leadership is going to be extended. Uh, implicitly, this is behind this issue of extending the, the presidential decision. There have been you know, conflicting statements made on by different political parties across the spectrum. Uh, but I do think what we find in Indonesia is that overwhelmingly the, the public wants the election to go on on schedule. And they, and they would like to have, uh, you know, uh, that the, the these issues to be resolved. This particular legal decision is just another decision. Um, it may also be challenged again, right, because mm-hmm. it is still a process of being able to move up through the courts. But it does, for, for now, uh, indicate that uh, it throws out the possibility of uh, the election being extended. And it basically turns attention back to the issues associated with um, the campaign and who are going to be alternatives to mm-hmm. Jokowi um, as, pre- as president. Uh, but there are still quite a few uh, issues that are overshadowing what is happening uh, in the context of um, uh, of uh, the elections in terms of the, the, the uh, party list process, 
the issues of the timing, uh, you know, who are the contenders, you know, and Indonesia is, have, is really also in election season. And I think that, that the issues of uncertainties are not completely resolved, but one hopes that this decision will not be challenged and that, in fact, that they can just start moving forward for a 2024 election. I just realized everyone seems to be in election season. I guess that gives us a little bit something to talk about. Uh, but I do appreciate your time today. I've been speaking with Bridget Walsh, who is political analyst and honorary research associate, University of Nottingham, Malaysia. Dr. Welsh, thank you for your time and take care. Have a good Wednesday ahead. Yes, too. Thanks very much. Ciao. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.